Section 14 of Ulysses. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Kirsty. Ulysses by James Joyce. Part 2. The Odyssey. Episode 9. Scylla and Charybdis. Part 1. Urbane, to comfort them, the Quaker librarian purred. And we have, have we not, those priceless pages of Wilhelm Meister, a great poet on a great brother poet, a hesitating soul taking arms against a sea of troubles, torn by conflicting doubts, as one sees in real life. He came a step, a syncopace forward, on meat's leather creaking, and a step backward, a syncopace on the solemn floor. A noiseless attendant setting open the door but slightly made him a noiseless beck. Directly, said he, creaking to go, albeit lingering, the beautiful, ineffectual dreamer who comes to grief against hard facts. One always feels that Goethe's judgments are so true, true in the larger analysis. Twy creakingly analysis he carantoed off. Bald, most zealous by the door, he gave his large ear all to the attendant's words heard them, and was gone. Two left. Monsieur de la Palice, Stephen sneered, was alive fifteen minutes before his death. Have you found those six brave medicals, John Eglinton asked with elder scrawl, to write Paradise Lost at your dictation? The sorrows of Satan, he calls it. Smile. Smile, Cranley, smile. First he tickled her, then he patted her. Then he passed the female catheter, for he was a medical, jolly old medic. I feel you would need one more for Hamlet. Seven is dear to the mystic mind. The shining seven, W.B. calls them. Glitter-eyed, his rufous skull close to his green-capped desk lamp sought the face bearded amid dark greener shadow, an olive holy-eyed. He laughed low, a sizes laugh of Trinity, unanswered. Orchestral Satan, weeping many a rude tears such as angels weep, et egli avia del culfato trombetta. He holds my follies hostage. Cranley's eleven true Wicklow men to free their sireland. Gap-toothed Kathleen, her four beautiful green fields, the stranger in her house. And one more to hail him, Ave Rabbe, the Tinhali Twelve. In the shadow of the glen he cooies for them. My soul's youth I gave him, night by night. Godspeed. Good hunting. Mulligan has my telegram. Folly. Persist. A young Irish bards, John Eglinton censured, have yet to create a figure which the world will set beside Saxon Shakespeare's Hamlet, though I admire him, as old Ben did, on this side idolatry. All these questions are purely academic, Russell oracled out of his shadow. I mean, whether Hamlet is Shakespeare or James Wan or Essex. Clergymen's discussions of the historicity of Jesus. Art has to reveal to us ideas, formless spiritual essences. The supreme question about a work of art is out of how deep a life does it spring. The painting of Gustave Moreau is the painting of ideas. The deepest poetry of Shelley the words of Hamlet bring our minds into contact with the eternal wisdom, Plato's world of ideas. All the rest is the speculation of schoolboys for schoolboys. 
A.E. has been telling some Yankee interviewer, while tarnation strike me. The schoolmen were schoolboys first, Stephen said super politely. Aristotle was once Plato's schoolboy. And has remained so, one should hope, John Eglinton sedately said. One can see him, a model schoolboy with his diploma under his arm. He laughed again at the now smiling bearded face. Formless spiritual, father, word and holy breath. All father, the heavenly man. Jesus Christos, magician of the beautiful, the logos who suffers in us at every moment. This verily is that. I am the fire upon the altar, I am the sacrificial butter. Dunlop, Judge, the noblest Roman of them all, A.E. Arvel, the name ineffable, in heaven height. K.H., their master, whose identity is no secret to adepts. Brothers of the Great White Lodge, always watching to see if they can help. The Christ with the Bride Sister, moisture of light, born of an insulted virgin, repentant Sophia, departed to the plain of Budai. The life esoteric is not for an ordinary person. O.P. must work off bad karma first. Mrs. Cooper Oakley once glimpsed our very illustrious sister H.P.B.'s elemental. Oh, fie, out aunt for food for fall. You naughtn't to look, missus, so you naughtn't when a lady's a showing off her elemental. Mr. Best entered a tall, young, mild light. He bore in his hand with grace a notebook, new, large, clean, bright. That model schoolboy, Stephen said, would find Hamlet's musings about the afterlife of his princely soul, the improbable, insignificant and undramatic monologue as shallow as Plato's. John Eglinton, frowning, said waxing wrath. Upon my word, it makes my blood boil to hear anyone compare Aristotle with Plato. Which of the two, Stephen asked, would have banished me from his commonwealth? Unsheath your dagger definitions. Hoarseness is the whatness of all horse. Streams of tendency and aeons they worship. God, noise in the street. Very peripatetic. Space, what you damn well have to see. Through spaces smaller than red globules of man's blood, they creepy crawl after Blake's buttocks into eternity, of which this vegetable world is but a shadow. Hold to the now, the here, through which all future plunges to the past. Mr. Best came forward, amiable, towards his colleague. Haynes is gone, he said. Is he? I was showing him Jubinville's book. He's quite enthusiastic, don't you know, about Hyde's love songs of Connacht. I couldn't bring him in to hear the discussion. He's gone to Gill's to buy it. Bound thee forth my booklet quick to greet the callous public. Writ I ween, t'was not my wish, in lean, unlovely English. The peat smoke is going to his head, John Eglinton opined. We feel in England, penitent thief, gone. I smoked his backy, green twinkling stone, and emeralds set in the ring of the sea. People do not know how dangerous love songs can be, the auric egg of Russell warned occultly. The movements which work revolutions in the world are born out of the dreams and visions in a peasant's heart on the hillside. For them, the earth is not an exploitable ground, but the living mother. The rarefied air of the academy and the arena produce the six-shilling novel, the musical song. France produces the finest flower of corruption in Malame, but the desirable life is revealed only to the poor of heart, 
the life of Homer's Phoenicians. From these words, Mr. Best turned an unoffending face to Stephen. Malame, don't you know, he said, has written those wonderful prose poems Stephen McKenna used to read to me in Paris. The one about Hamlet. He says, Il se promène, lisant au livre de lui-même. Don't you know, reading the book of himself. He describes Hamlet giving in a French town, don't you know, a provincial town. They advertised it. His free hand graciously wrote tiny signs in air. Hamlet, ou le distrait pièce de Shakespeare. He repeated to John Eglinton's new gathered frown. Pièce de Shakespeare, don't you know? It's so French, the French point of view. Hamlet, ou the absent-minded beggar, Stephen ended. John Eglinton laughed. Yes, I suppose it would be, he said. Excellent people, no doubt, but distressingly short-sighted in some matters. Sumptuous and stagnant exaggeration of murder. A deathsman of the soul, Robert Green called him, Stephen said. Not for nothing was he a butcher's son, wielding the slatted pole-axe and spitting in his palms. Nine lives are taken off for his father's one, our father who art in purgatory. Khaki hamlets don't hesitate to shoot. The blood-bolted shambles in Act 5 is a forecast of the concentration camp sung by Mr. Swinburne. Cranley, I his mute orderly, following battles from afar. Whelps and dams of murderous foes whom none but we had spared. Between the Saxon smile and the Yankee yawp, the devil in the deep sea. He will have it that a hamlet is a ghost story, John Eglinton said for Mr. Best's behoof. Like the fat boy in Pickwick, he wants to make our flesh creep. List, list, oh list. My flesh hears him, creeping, hears. If thou didst ever... What is a ghost, Stephen said with tingling energy? One who has faded into impalpability through death, through absence, through change of manners. Elizabeth in London lay as far from Stratford as corrupt Paris lies from Virgin Dublin. Who is the ghost from Limbo Patrum, returning to the world that has forgotten him? Who is King Hamlet? John Eglinton shifted his spare body, leaning back to judge. Lifted. It is this hour of a day in mid-June, Stephen said, begging with a swift glance their hearing. The flag is up on the playhouse by the bankside. The bear Sackerson growls in the pit near it, Paris Garden. Canvas climbers who sailed the drake chew their sausages among the groundlings. Local colour. Work in all, you know. Make them accomplices. Shakespeare has left the Huguenot's house in Silver Street and walks by the Swan Mews along the river bank. But he does not stay to feed the pen, chivying her game of signets towards the rushes. The Swan of Avon has other thoughts. Composition of place. Ignatius Loyola. Make haste to help me. The play begins. A player comes on under the shadow, made up in the cast-off mail of a court buck. A well-set man with a bass voice. It is the ghost, the king, a king and no king, and the player is Shakespeare who has studied Hamlet all the years of his life, which were not vanity in order to play the part of the spectre. He speaks the words to Burbage, the young player who stands before him beyond the rack of cerecloth, calling him by a name. Hamlet, I am thy father's spirit, bidding him list. To a son he speaks, the son of his soul, the prince, young Hamlet, and to the son of his body, Hamlet Shakespeare, who has died in Stratford, that his namesake may live forever. 
is it possible that that player shakespeare a ghost by absence and in the vesture of buried denmark a ghost by death speaking his own words to his own son's name had hamlet shakespeare lived he would have been prince hamlet's twin is it possible i want to know or probable that he did not draw or foresee the logical conclusion of those premises you are the dispossessed son i am the murdered father your mother is the guilty queen and shakespeare born hathaway but this prying into the family life of a great man russell began impatiently art thou there true penny interesting only to the parish clerk i mean we have the plays i mean when we read the poetry of king lear what is it to us how the poet lived as for living our servants can do that for us villiers de lille has said peeping and prying into green-room gossip of the day the poet's drinking the poet's debts we have king lear and it is immortal mr best's face appealed to agreed flow over them with your waves and with your waters manan manan maclair how now sirrah that pound he lent you when you were hungry marry i wanted it take thou the snowball go to you spent most of it in georgina johnson's bed clergyman's daughter agonbite of inwit do you intend to pay it back oh yes when now well no when then i paid my way i paid my way steady on he's from bayant bowing water the north-east corner you owe it wait five months molecules all change i am other i now other i got pound buzz buzz but i entelechy form of forms am i by memory because under ever-changing forms i that sinned and prayed and fasted a child commies saved from pandies i i and i i a e i o u do you mean to fly in the face of the tradition of three centuries john eglinton's carping voice asked her ghost at least has been laid for ever she died for literature at least before she was born she died stephen retorted sixty-seven years after she was born she saw him into and out of the world she took his first embraces she bore his children and she laid pennies on his eyes to keep his eyelids closed when he lay on his deathbed mother's deathbed candle the sheeted mirror who brought me into this world lies there bronze lidded under few cheap flowers liliata rutilantium i wept alone john eglinton looked at the tangled glowworm of his lamp the world believes that shakespeare made a mistake he said and got out of it as quickly and as best he could bosh stephen said rudely a man of genius makes no mistakes his errors are volitional and are the portals of discovery portals of discovery open to letting the quaker librarian soft creek footed bald eared and assiduous a shrew john eglinton said shrewdly is not a useful portal of discovery one should imagine what useful discovery did socrates learn from xanthippe dialectic stephen answered and from his mother how to bring thoughts into the world what he learnt from his other wife myrto absit nomen socratidians episcidian no man not a woman will ever know but neither the midwife's law nor the quarter lectures saved him from the archons of Sinn fein and their nagging of hemlock but anne hathaway 
Mr. Best's quiet voice said forgetfully. Yes, we seem to be forgetting her as Shakespeare himself forgot her. His look went from Bruder's beard to Carper's skull, to remind, to chide them, not unkindly. Then to the bald pink lollard costard, guiltless though maligned. He had a good great's worth of wit, Stephen said, and no truant memory. He carried a memory in his wallet as he trudged to Romeville, whistling the girl I left behind me. If the earthquake did not time it, we should know where to place poor Watt, sitting in his form, the cry of hounds, the studded bridle and her blue windows. That memory, Venus and Adonis, lay in the bedchamber of every light of love in London. Is Catherine the shrew ill-favoured? Hortensia calls her young and beautiful. Do you think the writer of Antony and Cleopatra, a passionate pilgrim, had his eyes in the back of his head that he chose the ugliest doxy in all Warwickshire to lie with all? Good. He left her and gained the world of men. But his boy women are the women of a boy. Their life, thought, speech are lent them by males. He chose badly? He was chosen, it seems to me. If others have their will, Anne hath a way. By cock she was to blame. She put the come-over on him, sweet and twenty-six. The grey-eyed goddess who bends over the boy Adonis, stooping to conquer, as prologue to the swelling act, is a bold-faced Stratford wench who tumbles in a cornfield a lover younger than herself. And my turn? When? Come. Ryfield, Mr. Best said brightly, gladly, raising his new book, gladly, brightly. He murmured then, with blonde delight for all, Between the acres of the rye these pretty country folk would lie. Paris, the well-pleased pleaser. A tall figure in bearded homespun rose from shadow and unveiled its cooperative watch. I am afraid I am due at the homestead. Whither away? Exploitable ground. Are you going? John Eglinton's active eyebrows asked. Shall we see what more's tonight? Piper is coming. Piper, Mr. Best piped. Is Piper back? Peter Piper pecked a peck of pick of peck of pickled pepper. I don't know if I can. Thursday, we have our meeting, if I can get away in time. Yogi bogey box in Dawson Chambers. Isis unveiled. Their parley book we tried to pawn. Cross-legged under an umbral umbershoot, he thrones an Aztec logos. Functioning on astral levels, their oversoul, Maha Mahatma. The faithful hermitists await the light, ripe for cellarship, ring ground about him. Louis H. Victory T. Caulfield Irwin. Lotus ladies tend them in the eyes, their pineal glands aglow. Filled with his god, he thrones, Buddha under plantain. Golfer of souls, engolfer. He souls, she souls, shoal of souls. Engulfed with wailing cree cries, whirled, whirling, they bewail. In quintessential triviality, for years in this flesh case, a she soul dwelt. They say we are to have a literary surprise, the Quaker librarian said, friendly and earnest. Mr. Russell, rumour has it, is gathering together a sheaf of our younger poet's verses. We are all looking forward anxiously. Anxiously he glanced in the cone of lamplight where three faces lighted, shone. See this, remember. Stephen looked down on a wide headless corbeen, hung on his ashplant handle over his knee. My cask and sword... Touch lightly with two index fingers. Aristotle's experiment. One or two. 
Necessity is that in virtue of which it is impossible that one can be otherwise. Agul, one hat is one hat. Listen. Young Coloman Starkey. George Roberts is doing the commercial part. Longworth will give it a good puff in the express. Oh, will he? I liked Colm's drover. Yes, I think he has that queer thing genius. Do you think he has genius, really? Yates admired his line, as in Wild Earth, a Grecian vase. Did he? I hope he'll be able to come tonight. Malachi Mulligan is coming, too. Moore asked him to bring Haynes. Did you hear Miss Mitchell's joke about Moore and Martin? The Moore is Martin's wild oats? Awfully clever, isn't it? They remind one of Don Quixote and Sancho Panza. Our national epic has yet to be written, Dr. Sigerson says. Moore is the man for it. A knight of the rueful countenance here in Dublin. With a saffron kilt? O'Neill Russell? Oh, yes, he must speak the grand old tongue. And his Dulcinea? James Stevens is doing some clever sketches. We are becoming important, it seems. Cordelia, Cordoglio, Lair's loneliest daughter. Nick Shotton, now your best French polish. Thank you very much, Mr. Russell, Stephen said, rising. If you will be so kind as to give the letter to Mr. Norman. Oh, yes, if he considers it important, it will go in. We have so much correspondence. I understand, Stephen said. Thanks. God ill to you. The pig's paper, Bullock befriending. Singe has promised me an article for Dana, too. Are we going to be read? I feel we are. The Gaelic League wants something in Irish. I hope you will come around tonight. Bring Starkey. Stephen sat down. The Quaker librarian came from the leave-takers. Blushing, his mask said. Mr. Dedalus, your views are most illuminating. He creaked to and fro, tiptoeing up near heaven by the altitude of Choping, and covered by the noise of outgoing, said low. Is it your view, then, that she was not faithful to the poet? Alarmed face asks me, why did he come, courtesy or an inward light? Where there is a reconciliation, Stephen said, there must have been first a sundering. Yes. Christ fox in leather trues, hiding a runaway in blighted tree forks from hue and cry, knowing no vixen, walking lonely in the chase. Women who wonder him, tender people, a whore of Babylon, ladies of justice, bully tapsters' wives, fox and geese, and a new place, a slack dishonoured body that was once comely, once as sweet, as fresh as cinnamon, now her leaves falling, all bare, frightened of the narrow grave and unforgiven. Yes, so you think, the door closed behind the outgoer. Rest suddenly possessed the discreet vaulted cell, rest of warm and brooding air, a vestal's lamp. Here he pons things that were not. What Caesar would have lived to do had he believed the soothsayer. What might have been, possibilities of the possible as possible, things not known, what name Achilles bore when he lived among women. Coffined thoughts around me, in mummy cases, embalmed in spice of words. Loth, god of libraries, a bird god, moony crowned. And I heard the voice of that Egyptian high priest, in painted chambers loaded with tile books. They are still, once quick in the brains of men, still, but an itch of death is in them, to tell me in my ear a maudlin tale, urge me to wreak their wealth. Certainly, John Eglinton mused, 
of all great men he is the most enigmatic we know nothing but that he lived and suffered not even so much others abide our question a shadow hangs over all the rest but hamlet is so personal isn't it mr best pleaded i mean a kind of private paper don't you know of his private life i mean i don't care a button don't you know who is killed or who is guilty he rested an innocent look on the edge of the desk smiling his defiance his private papers in the original tar and bad are and tear tame in moshe guard put burla on it little john quoth little john eglinton i was prepared for paradoxes from what malachi mulligan told us but i may as well warn you that if you want to shake my belief that shakespeare is hamlet you have a stern task before you bear with me stephen withstood the bane of miscreant eyes glinting stern under wrinkled brows a basilisk e quando vide l'uomo la tosca messer brunetto i thank you for the word as we or mother dana weave and unweave our bodies stephen said from day to day their molecules shuttle to and fro so does the artist weave and unweave his image and as the mole on my right breast is where it was when i was born though all my body has been woven of new stuff time after time so through the ghost of the unquiet father the image of the unliving son looks forth in the intense instant of imagination when the mind shelley says is a fading coal that which i was is that which i am and that which in possibility i may come to be so in the future the sister of the past i may see myself as i sit here now but by reflection from that which then i shall be drummond of hawthorne helped you at that style yes mr best said youngly i feel hamlet quite young the bitterness might be from the father but the passages with ophelia are surely from the son has the wrong sow by the lug he is in my father i am in his son that mole is the last to go stephen said laughing john eglinton made a nothing pleasing moan if that were the birthmark of genius he said genius would be a drug in the market the plays of shakespeare's later years which renan admired so much breathe another spirit the spirit of reconciliation the quaker librarian breathed there can be no reconciliation stephen said if there has not been a sundering said that if you want to know what are the events which cast their shadow over the hell of time of king lear othello hamlet troilus and cressida look to see when and how the shadow lifts what softens the heart of a man shipwrecked in storms dire tried like another ulysses pericles prince of tyre head red cone capped buffeted brine blinded a child a girl placed in his arms marina the leaning of sophists towards the bypaths of apocrypha is a constant quantity john eglinton detected the high roads are dreary but they lead to the town good bacon gone musty shakespeare bacon's wild oats cipher jugglers going the high roads seekers on the great quest what town good masters mummed in names a e eon mcgee john eglinton east of the sun west of the moon tir na noog booted the twain and staved how many miles to dublin threescore and ten sir will we be there by candlelight 
Mr. Brandis accepts it, Stephen said, as the first play of the closing period. Does he? What does Mr. Sidney Lee or Mr. Simon Lazarus, as some of his name, say of it? Marina, Stephen said, a child of storm. Miranda, a wonder. Perdita, that which was lost. What was lost is given back to him, his daughter's child. My dearest wife, Pericles says, was like this maid. Will any man love the daughter if he has not loved the mother? The art of being a grandfather, Mr. Best, Gan murmur. La d'être grand. Will he not see, reborn in her, with the memory of his own youth added, another image? Do you know what you are talking about? Love, yes, word known to all men. Amor viro aliquid aliqui bonum fut unde et aia qui concupiscimus. His own image to a man with that queer thing genius is the standard of all experience, material and moral. Such an appeal will touch him. The images of other males of his blood will repel him. He will see in them grotesque attempts of nature to foretell or to repeat himself. End of section 14